Today is Tuesday, August 30th, 2022, and the DOJ admits they violated Trump's rights and took attorney-client privilege documents in Trump raid. Top FBI agent who covered up the Hunter Biden laptop is fired, and Joe Biden picks Hunter Biden laptop denier for a presidential intelligence board seat. My name is Benny Johnson, and this is The Benny Show. Why he has secure facilities or skips. That's why he has Secret Service protection to guard these papers with listening devices and cameras. There's no allegation or evidence whatsoever that these records got into the wrong hands, unlike Hillary Clinton's illegal home server that was hacked by foreign governments. When she was the Secretary of State, she she violated the Espionage Act by having that home server. She obstructed justice by destroying the home server and the devices. She violated, uh, she destroyed government property when she did that. There was no home raid. They didn't even question her. This is a political witch hunt against President Trump because he has declassified personal copies of the crossfire hurricane Russian collusion documents. And that scares the hell out of Biden, Obama, Hillary, Susan Rice, Clapper, the FBI, the intel community. An absolutely stacked show. We start off today with the sweet, delicious smell of napalm in the morning. Do you smell it? Can you sense it? Is it stinging your eyes yet? Is it filling your nostrils with the sweet aroma of panic in Washington, D.C.? They're panicked. They're scared. They're worried. They are firing their own. When was the last time that the FBI, we got to ask you this, when was the last time that you saw the FBI self-correct, Okay. Yo, when was the last time the FBI was like, hey, we got a problem here. We got some major issues with like uh, our agents. They're going after regular Americans. They're trying to hurt the former president of the United States of America. We got to rein them in. Maybe we should fire them. Tell the worst offenders to hit the bricks. When was the last time you saw the FBI go all Kool-Aid man on their own people, smash through the wall and say, hey, you're out of here. Well, I mean, never, not in our lifetime, certainly, and certainly not in any other era if you go back and look at the dark history of the FBI. And so here we have a situation where the FBI is actually self-correcting. What's going on? Panic in D.C. The smell of napalm in the morning. They're worried, okay? They're worried about the Republican majorities sweeping into office. They're worried about the majorities that are going to hold them accountable. They're worried about people like Chuck Grassley's and Mike Rogers's, the very moderate Republicans in the House and in the Senate with extraordinary amounts of power saying, we are coming for you. They're terrified. That's exactly why Dr. Fauci is resigning. It's exactly why Tim Tebolt was sent out on his ass last night with a little box from his desk full of Hunter Biden pornographic images and crack pipes because he loves Hunter Biden. This guy, total scum, top FBI agent from the Washington field office, resigned from his post last week. This was actually Friday. The news broke last night, facing intense scrutiny over allegations that he helped shield Hunter Biden from criminal investigation into his laptop during and and business dealings. Timothy Tibbalt, an FBI agent, special agent in charge. This is a very high-ranking uh, office. Special agent in charge is nothing to be messing around with. This dude, it was like up there. 25 years at the FBI was forced out after he was accused of political bias in his handling of probes involving President Biden's son. Sources told the Washington Times on Monday, huge bombshell story. The agents uh, was escorted out of the office by headquarters looking types armed, you know, the dudes with the, uh, 
dudes with the earpieces, right? Yo, hey, those guys walking this dude out, telling him to hit the bricks, chucking all of his stuff into the middle of the street, kicking him in the ass on his way out. We don't actually know that. We're not sure. But that'd be great. I mean, that'd be great. Tybalt and the FBI didn't immediately respond for comment. Tybalt, a 25-year veteran of the FBI, had already been on leave after top Republicans in the Senate Judiciary Committee, Chuck Grassley, started raising concerns about the whistleblower claims the FBI had obstructed its own investigation into Joe Biden's son. The letter to FBI Director Ray in July, Grassley said that Tybalt and the FBI uh, supervisory intelligence analyst Brian Outen were allegedly involved in a scheme to undermine derogatory information connected to Hunter Biden, falsely suggesting that it was disinformation. Well, that's really interesting. Miranda Devine, one of our favorite reporters and the writer of the Hunter Biden laptop from hell book had this to say about the glorious agent Tim Tebolt live on television last night upon his firing seconds afterwards. We love Miranda. She's a friend of the show. She's as good as they get. She works for the New York Post and we look forward to having her on. I think later in the week, my producer will have to tell me, but here was what Miranda had to say about the scumbag agent who's now going to be hitting the bread lines in Washington, D.C. They are. And in fact, uh, I think a big CYA moment happened today when the Washington po- uh, Times has just uh, told the story that Timothy Tebolt, who's uh, the FBI agent mentioned by Chuck Grasley uh, yes. and his whistleblowers, that um, was uh, active in suppressing any uh, derogatory information about Hunter Biden, which basically means about Joe Biden, because Joe Biden was up to his neck in Hunter Biden's influence peddling uh, operations overseas. Uh, So Timothy Tebolt was that agent, one of the uh, agents that whistleblowers have told Chuck Grasley and Ron Johnson about that were suppressing anything about the laptop or anything to do with Hunter Biden's influence peddling program. He's left the agency uh, reportedly. Uh, Also, there there is a story that uh, Timothy Tebolt also, apart from, um, you know, having rancidly anti-Trump and anti-conservative social media output, also was purging the agency, at least in Washington, of any agents who were not vaxxed because he suspected oh. them of being conservatives. Oh, my God. Uh, and also any agents who uh, attended a, a Trump rally um, in Washington, D.C., which yeah. is perfectly legitimate, uh, on January 6th. So here's this guy going through this absolute loser, soy, beta, sobby lib, going through with his wet pants, into the FBI and crying about unvaxxed FBI agents, agents who may like Donald Trump, and trying to purge them from the Bureau. This is the type of environment you would expect at Twitter headquarters, or at Salesforce, or at the lesbian-owned soy coffee shop down the corner. All organic beans grown inside of socialist and communist countries, you, is, uh, you know, employing slave labor. This is the kind of uh, activity that you would expect inside of like a liberal arts feminist college studies major section. Again, I don't spend a lot of time at liberal arts women's feminist college study sections, uh, let me tell you, but they are nasty nasty people, and they you don't want to hang out around them. This isn't what you'd expect from an agent at the FBI. This isn't what you'd expect, this kind of like seething slacktivism. This isn't what you'd expect, this repugnant anti-Trump social activity. You could see, if you look into this guy's social activity, he's like clicking and liking and, 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 and promoting like these blue and on venomous anti-Trump tweets. 
these venomous anti-Trump articles. This is an FBI agent who is in charge of the Hunter Biden laptop investigation sharing anti-Trump articles, like the kind of seething, like Lincoln Project style stuff. You know, he shared a Lincoln Project piece of content. This is the kind of stuff that Chuck Grassley was discovering. And here's the kicker. Man, are you sitting down? As Samuel L. Jackson would say in Jurassic Park, hold on to your butts. You ready for the doozy? This guy was in charge of the election disinformation wing of the FBI. Election fraud. This guy, the guy who essentially covered up for Hunter Biden's laptop and promoted the lie to Facebook and many other platforms that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. Meanwhile, he has a copy of Hunter Biden's laptop literally sitting right next to him, okay? It's sitting right next to him. He has it on his lap. He, he turns it on in order to heat up his lap in the middle of the day. Hunter Biden's laptop sitting there on his lap. He's the one selling the lie that it came from Russia. He knows damn well that it's real. Something that won't surprise you at all is that I am addicted to my cell phone. Why? Well, because I run a digital news company and at The Benny Show, we have 10 employees and they need to be online and their service needs to work and we need to make a profit to keep in business. So I have got to be balancing my budget as well. So how do you stay online and balance a budget, especially in these tight economic times? Use Pure Talk. We use Pure Talk at The Benny Show. It is the official sponsor of The Benny Show, and their service is incredible. It is the most reliable 5G network in America, and for just 30 bucks, you can get talk, text, and data on America's best network. And with the code Benny, you get 50% off your first month. Most families save around 75 bucks by switching over to Pure Talk. That's like a tank of gas. And who couldn't use an extra tank of gas in Joe Biden's America? So go over to puretalkusa.com and use the code Benny to get 50% off your new cell service today. And if you need one more reason to do it, you provide American jobs by doing this. Pure Talk is run by a United States military veteran, is their CEO. Man, they want America to win and you will win if you switch to Pure Talk today. Use the code Benny to get 50% off. This piece of scum is sitting there, has the audacity to go and make a video for the FBI that said, hey, we take this stuff really seriously. Election, we must protect our election against disinformation. What, meanwhile, this guy is the old faithful sewage geyser of misinformation about Hunter Biden's laptop, the most devastating bloody OJ glove in political history. Watch this video and be repulsed. Watch Timothy Tybalt back when he had a job at the FBI talk about election disinformation. The FBI is charged with protecting the rights of all Americans, including their right to vote. While the responsibility to ensure a fair election process lies primarily at the state and local level, the FBI takes allegations of election-related violations of federal law seriously. The FBI investigates federal election crimes that generally fall into three categories, campaign finance crimes, voter ballot fraud, and civil rights violations. The FBI Washington Field Office works with our state and federal partners 
to engage with other law enforcement partners and provide resources about the FBI's role in elections. Why is it always those guys? Why is it always those guys, right? It's always the guys who were bullied in high school, the porn addicts, the like doughy, goofy looking like little beady eyed dudes. Those are always the guys. Remember Peter Strzok when he was testifying before Congress, how he's slithering and writhing? Why is it always these guys, these total scum, these soy boy betas? They get in charge, they get a little bit of power, and then they go all full Stalin, right? They go, they go like, they go like, uh, uh, you know, full KGB when they get like a teeny ounce of power. It's these people that are such problems in Washington, D.C. And let me tell you, as somebody who has lived in Washington, D.C. for the last 15 years of my life, thank God I'm in Florida now. I lived in Washington, D.C. for 15 years of my life. Man, D.C. is just filled with those people. The kids that got bullied in high school, the kids that, uh, you know, uh, uh, had, you know, the really bad acne outbreaks, and the kids that got shoved into lockers. Then they get badges and guns, and then they go after the rest of us. These are mentally damaged people. And this Tim Tebow is one of those mentally damaged men. You heard him there talking about threats to our election and disinformation. Well, you know, Chuck Grassley says in his letter that Tim Tebow specifically had a scheme to undermine derogatory information connected to Hunter Biden by falsely suggesting that the laptop was disinformation. This guy, this guy is in the promo ads for the FBI. I cannot believe we dug this clip up. This guy's in the promo ad. Big shout out to our research team here at The Betting Show. And thank you for supporting us. We are hiring. We are small business owners. We bring you this show. It is 100% like user supported. We are not owned by a corporation. Ladies and gentlemen, we do this show with your assistance. So thank you. This clip dug up, this Tim Tebolt man, he's sitting there talking about protecting our election integrity. Meanwhile, he's covering up Hunter Biden's laptop as disinformation. Falsely lying about it. It's, I mean, it breaks the brain. It breaks the brain. It's 1984-style stuff. And it's why we have our boy, Cash Patel. Our boy, Cash Patel. We love Cash on this program. Reacting live. He was on Sebastian Gorka's show last night. We saw him react live to Tim Tebow getting fired. This reaction will show you exactly how important this update is. Exactly how important it is that this guy was told to hit the bricks. Watch Cash's reaction live. Breaking news from the Washington Times on Friday out of the WFO, the Washington field office, special agent in charge, Tim Tebold, was escorted out of the building after, oh yeah, escorted out of the building after whistleblower allegations that he showed political bias uh, in the handling of politically sensitive cases. Is something finally uh, happening or after six years should we still be very, very cynical, Cash? Maybe both. So look, T-Boat is one of the guys I put on, and I've been the one saying, listen, there are certain people you can put on blast in the FBI if their actions are corrupt and they're violating their oaths of office and duty to the American people. Tybalt is a perfect example of a guy who repeatedly got promoted for running and working on corrupt prosecutions and investigations. Russiagate, Hillarygate, uh, Hunter Biden laptop, Whitmer. This guy was promoted into superior positions for failing to do his job, but worse, probably intentionally lying and breaking the law. And that's why all these whistleblowers have been coming out. And if you remember, Chris Ray was asked about, you know, all of these promotions and he basically blew off Congress under oath to catch a private jet so he can have a taxpayer funded airplane ride to his Adirondack vacation home, then answer questions before the United States Senate on whistleblower protection. And now it's no coincidence, this guy that we named was escorted out.
So they're getting canned in Washington, D.C. Again, when was the last time you saw the FBI fire its own? It's pretty incredible. And the reason why is they are terrified. They're running scared. There's actual literal panic in Washington, D.C. because they see clips like this of Jim Jordan saying, we are now not just going to investigate the FBI. We're going to investigate the investigators. We're going after the IG, the, the, in, in the investigation arm of the FBI, Horowitz. We're going to go after you. Because you're sitting there signing off on the confiscation of GOP members of Congress's cell phones. So Jim Jordan going scorched earth, fires off a letter saying, hey, Inspector General Horowitz, man, you better preserve your documents. Who watches the watchers? Jim Jordan, baby. Watch him. Um, Is there bias in the FBI? And as I understand it, you have five FBI informants that have come to you that want to be whistleblowers, correct? Correct. We've had more than that. And, and you were right when Senator Grassley said there's political influence at the FBI and it's all about politics. That is certainly the case because all these whistleblowers come to us and talk about the political pressure they're under. And now we see that it may be in the inspector general's office. By statute, the inspector general is supposed to provide independent oversight of the Justice Department. Well, how can you do that if you're participating in an investigation? Sean, understand what happened here. The FBI came to the inspector general and said, we're going to we're going to take the phone of a sitting member of Congress. We're going to take his phone one day after we have raided President Trump's home. And we're going to do it while Congressman Perry is on vacation with his family. The inspector general should have said to them, are you freaking out of your mind? This has got all kinds of constitutional concerns. You should not do it. But if you do, we will not participate. But instead, he said, go ahead and do it and we'll image the phone. That is frightening because they're supposed to be providing the independent oversight of the Justice Department. So the major constitutional concerns by Jim Jordan, what does he mean there? What he means there is the separation of equal powers. There are three equal powers, the executive, the legislative, and the judiciary in this country. They are equal, co-equal, and not one has power over the other. In fact, they actually have checks and balances as it is set up. You know this. You probably went through Civics 101. They don't teach this stuff in school anymore. Thank God I had good parents. And so you have these co-equal branches. So how the hell is the executive branch confiscating the phone of a member of the legislative branch? What the hell is that about? Why don't you show me the constitutional right you have to do that? That's what Jim Jordan is talking about here. And he's going to clobber the FBI. And now he's going after Inspector General Horowitz. Yo, this is some dangerous stuff. This is water that the FBI is getting into. That's why they're going to scapegoat people like Timbalt. That's why they're going to probably lop off a few more heads of agents and be uh, covering their asses here. We'll see what happens next because this is unwinding at a rapid pace. This Trump raid, we told you from day one, this was not properly executed. This was not properly planned. They bit off more than they could chew. They weren't ready for the backlash and that this isn't having the intended effect that they hope it would. So they're getting ready for a major battle in Washington, D.C. and in districts of Florida where Donald Trump has filed lawsuits. And now the FBI is straight up admitting that not only do they take Donald Trump's passports, as we covered in their theft of everything inside of his safe, which is where you would keep a passport, but now they're admitting that they took attorney-client privilege documents from Donald Trump. The FBI straight up saying that they have reviewed and may have taken a limited amount of attorney-client privilege uh, documents from President Trump. Now, this is, of course, illegal. You can't do this kind of crap. 
let's say you're walking down the street and you see Paul Pelosi wobbling and wandering out of a bar and he offers to give you a ride home. Would you get in his car? Let's say Hunter Biden offered to take your laptop to the repair shop. Would you let him? Of course not, because you're a smart person. So why would you let Hunter Biden's father and Paul Pelosi's wife Nancy and Joe, run your bank account. Of course you wouldn't. Why are you trusting these people to manage your money? They are doing a horrific job of it, and you can see the signs of that all around the country. Inflation is going insane. Inflation is real. The real CPI is at another 40-year high. The recession is real. They're lying to you. There is a recession, and if your money is tied up in the U.S. dollar, then you are messing with fire. You are getting inside side of that passenger seat with Paul Pelosi at the wheel slurring his words. It's critical for you to take a hard look right now at your family's value, income, and savings and say, wait a second, it's time to diversify. Gold and silver is what I suggest through my friends at Birch Gold. Text Benny to 989898 to get a free information kit on how to diversify your savings with precious metals. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and countless five-star reviews. I myself have used Birch Gold and I now have some of my savings diversified into actual, literal, physical gold that I can hold in my hand and it is a wonderful feeling, ladies and gentlemen. Text Benny to 989898 to get a Birch Gold Info Kit today and start learning about real value. This is the kind of stuff that gets like your case thrown out, right? So if you like, you, 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 if you take a bunch of documents, that, I mean, if it's not legal, okay, to take documents from somebody and their lawyer, there's long-standing precedent here and then use it against them in the court of law. This is kind of, these are the kind of grounds for like any judge in America to be like, yo, you behaved illegally. You, you, we're going to throw this out. We're going to rule against you. This isn't right. And we have long-standing precedent here. This is like long established. Before the, before, this is like common law stuff, right? So before even America was constituted, this is common law stuff. These are the kind of things that Supreme Court cases are made out of. 9-0 Supreme Court cases. Here we go. Let's read. The Department of Justice has admitted that they may have taken a limited amount of documents protected by attorney-client privilege. Okay, got it. Got it. We just, we released a limited amount of weaponized uranium into the water. Don't you worry about it. When your kids start to glow, just call your doctor. The privilege, the privilege documents were taken when they raided Donald Trump's home. In a filing on Monday, the U.S. attorney, Juan Antonio Gonzalez, wrote that the team reviewed and identified a limited number of materials that could potentially contain attorney-client privilege information. Judge Aline Cannon of the Southern District of Florida announced her preliminary intent to appoint a special master. This is a huge victory for Trump, by the way. Two days later, the DOJ said that they that the review of these documents were conducted before the court issued the preliminary order to appoint a special master. Oh, isn't that interesting? You know, like if you're standing at the DMV line, you're going to be there for the next 17 hours, okay? You're going to sit there. You, you walk into the DMV, you look over, there's like a skeleton with uh, cobwebs on it, all right? It's not a Halloween decoration. It's like someone who's been waiting there. The federal government, it turns out, can act with extreme speed and extreme urgency when it's Donald Trump, okay? When it's Donald Trump coming in, this is the kind of stuff that the federal government can do. Here's the uh, latest report on the privileged documents being taken and what it actually means. Clip D. 
The Justice Department made that revelation just a few hours ago in that filing where you said they found a limited set of materials that contained some sort of attorney-client privilege. Now, attorney-client privilege is something the Trump legal team has brought up multiple times. The team also wants to look at executive privilege and wants a special master to take a neutral third-party look at the evidence the FBI took from Mar-a-Lago on the 8th of August. The purpose of that special master to determine if certain evidence is outside the scope of the investigation and must be returned. Today, DOJ filed the paperwork suggesting to the judge a special master is maybe a moot point. DOJ has also announced it conducted an independent review of the materials and is working with the director of national intelligence, Avril Haines, and her team to look closer at the hundreds of classified documents found at Mar-a-Lago. Several members of Congress are told Haines and the intelligence community will conduct an assessment of the potential risk to national security that would result from the disclosure of relevant documents. So here is the twist that you got now. The twist is that Donald Trump has a new attorney. His name is Jim Trustee. Jim Trustee is a former FBI agent. Jim Trustee is a former FBI lawyer, former DOJ lawyer. Jim Trustee knows his ways in and out of the rat holes of the federal bureaucracy, and now he represents Donald Trump. Jim Trustee was doing his first appearance on cable news as Donald Trump's lawyer yesterday, saying, hey, uh, we ain't going to stand for this ish. We are going to drop the hammer on these people. They have behaved illegally, and we are going to fight them tooth and nail, and this is going to backfire for the people who are running this operation, which, by the way, Avril Haines, as you just saw in the previous clip, that's a former Obama appointee. She's part of the uh, unholy trinity of Susan Rice and one other person who I can't, her name uh, uh, escapes me right now, but she's serving as the deputy attorney general right now. If you're wondering if this is Obama's third term, look at Joe Biden's staff. Look at him. From Jen Psaki to Ron Klain to the people who are investigating Trump right now, it's all Obama people. Every last one of them, including but not limited to Joe Biden, who's an Obama person. This is Joe Biden's third term. Everyone knows it. This is why the Babylon Bee can write headlines that uh, Joe Biden hears the president got COVID and he picks up the phone to immediately call Barack Obama. This is what makes headlines like that funny. And if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. The person who who may be crying right now is Merrick Garland and Christopher Wray, seeing that Jim Trusty is now Donald Trump's lawyer and is ready to drop the boom. Watched Jim, Tr- Jim Trusty yesterday, uh, a very commanding man. Have a listen. Uh, and look, they obviously moved very fast on this. They had an opportunity to use the unilaterally imposed filter team. You know, we didn't have a voice on how they set up a filter team. And now they are trying to suggest with this pleading, like, Judge, don't be surprised that we've already taken care of all this. Nothing to see here. Well, we're not in a position where we can really have a lot of faith in that. We still need judicial intervention. We need a judge to monitor our access to these documents. We haven't had a single phone call from the filter team telling us anything. This is the first knowledge we had about their findings on attorney-client privilege. They've decided to ignore the concept of executive privilege, which is an interesting wrinkle. Uh, They're ignoring the Presidential Records Act, which we think is the incredibly important overlay for all of this. So we have a lot of problems really accepting everything at face value that's coming out of DOJ these days. It's a very politicized place, I'm sad to say. Mm. And uh, there's still a need for a judge to get involved on on every aspect of this, checking their, their assertions of privilege, but also giving us fair, timely access, letting us build a case for why this search warrant was not only essentially morally wrong, but legally wrong. Here we go, baby. Not only morally wrong, but legally wrong. We've had multiple experts on talking about that exact point. Was this legal? 
What are going to be the ramifications? Now, of course, Mike Davis came on and gave an excoriating conversation about what it would be like in the Supreme Court if this were to be litigated and how you'd get a 9-0 ruling in favor of Donald Trump and in favor of the executive. How many constitutional rights were violated? How did they violate these rights and who will be held accountable? Joining us now on the program, Executive Director of the Right on Crime, Brett Tolman, who had a wonderful Twitter thread last week. We read it for you live. We reached out. We said, Brett, man, you're on fire. Come join the program (laughs) and tell the beautiful people what's going on here. And your organization is the leading organization in the country for trying to teach the right how to address these sort of issues and how to be better as far as the legalities of the day-to-day and how we talk about them, this is clearly top of mind for for every patriotic American. What's happening uh, at Mar-a-Lago? Could it happen to me? What crimes have been broken? And what's your major takeaway so far, Brett? Yeah, that's really the key right now is, you know, the organization that I lead is a group of, of people that have been in the criminal justice system working. They have decades of experience. And the reality is, is we were, we have been sort of, outraged at the use of the criminal justice system in an inappropriate ways in this country. We see hypocrisy. We know that there are ways to fix the criminal justice system, but the left has always come at it through emotion, through politics. It, it, it makes for bad law and it creates, you know, very bad results as we're watching. So I hope that our organization becomes just as you described that, that key organization that people want to know what is, what are their thoughts on this particular issue and that issue I spent, you know, 25 years in the in the criminal justice system, over a decade as a federal prosecutor, four years um, as a U.S. attorney appointed by President Bush. I have drafted, af- you know, affidavits and search warrants for hundreds of cases. I look at what's happening in this case. I never believed that the Department of Justice would be not only pursuing such a politicized approach to a case, but they would be the ones to create the basis, the evidence, and the justification for pursuing it. That was beyond my comprehension over over the last 25 years. So please unpack that for us. What do you mean by create the evidence and the justification? Can you help us understand this? You know, I had a case, one of my first cases where I really, you know, raised my eyebrows at the FBI was a, they asked me, I was U.S. attorney at the time, they brought to me a case in which they wanted to pursue against a sitting member of Congress. They wanted me to authorize it. I read the 302. Remember, the 302 is an FBI report. And for years, they've had a policy that they will not record an interview. So you only have the FBI's version of what an interview is with either a target or a witness. They won't record it. So you have their impression and they're they're writing down and they're supposed to be writing down, you know, as verbatim as they can, what the target says. I read this 302. And I put the paper down and I said, you're actually trying to come up with the evidence. You're not let the evidence drive this case. I said, there's no way I'm going to authorize an indictment. You've manipulated three or four witnesses. This report is clearly one where you have an angle and you're pushing it. And and I was one where I wanted, it was a a Republican at the time, I was appointed as a Republican, and certainly I wanted to clean up my backyard. If there was a corrupt politician, I wanted to prosecute him, didn't care which party he was in. That was my first exposure to understanding that there are times when the FBI, an agency that is not held, keep in mind, they have no accountability. 
you have one office in the Department of Justice that has is allowed to actually go in and and investigate or or to hold accountable federal prosecutors and and agents, and that's the Office of Professional Responsibility. I can talk a little bit later about the, about the solicitor, um, you know, office and and about Horowitz and 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 the Inspector General, but you have one office, and they're not afraid of it, and and so when you have decades of unaccountable power, no transparency, hmm. you can build within the ranks of a large bureaucracy, individuals like Tebold and others, where they believe that the end, you know, is very much justified by whatever means possible to get there. And so I witnessed, I observed cases in which they manipulated to get the evidence in order to support what they wanted to prosecute, as opposed to taking a look at a case and saying, where does the existing evidence lead me and to which target? It was my experience, the more I, I worked in the criminal justice system, it started happening more and more often that the target was selected and then they mm. worked backwards to create the path in order to prosecute the target. This is bombshell stuff, Brett. I mean, so you're talking about crimes in search of evidence. That's right. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, I had a case in which um, individual requested that I had indicted, took it to the grand jury. I was 99% sure I had, I had the right guy. He asked to meet with me. The only, only uh, target defendant that ever asked to meet with me. So I, I set up the meeting myself, an FBI agent, a few state agents. We went in there. He confessed to 26 different robberies, but then said, I did not commit this robbery. So we left the meeting. I turned to the agent. I said, you know, what, what are your thoughts on this? And he said, oh, he's just scared of the federal system. The penalties are so much tougher in the federal system. I said, I, I don't know. I want you to reinvestigate this. So he reinvestigated it. Turns out we had the, the wrong guy. Absolutely wrong guy. We had already indicted him. <clears throat> the FBI in that case had picked him, believing he was the one, and built the case around the conclusion that he was the one. So, you know, if that happens to somebody, if that can happen in our, in our criminal justice system, imagine then what it must feel like in the top layers of the FBI, when you have a Jim Comey that says no reasonable prosecutor would pursue Hillary Clinton. Well, that's that's not true. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, she 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 has she, she it's a it's a better case against Hillary Clinton than anything that's been alleged against President Trump right now. Wow. And a reasonable prosecutor is just a prosecutor who believes they should pursue the case. And so when Comey stands up and gives us that message, it was my it was really a, a, a bell ringing moment for me because it was unprecedented for the Department of Justice, one, to speak about the case. It wasn't the Department of Justice speaking about it. It was the head of the FBI. And then that's when it, it really dawned on me that this this, you know, behemoth of a law enforcement agency has grown to such a degree that we're going to have some real trouble but i never anticipated it would be going after a former president and current political rival of the existing president in the white house 
we have an optimistic show here and an optimistic audience, people that believe in America, people that love this country a lot. Uh, we see the firing of Tim Tebolt this morning and people are saying, hey, may, maybe this is like a step in the right direction. I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I'm a little more cynical about it. I think um, he's a he's a, an area of vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. They see him as having been identified. Whistleblowers may have already sort of displayed what he's been up to. Um, get rid of him before it becomes worse so they can say to Congress, hey, as soon as we learned, we took matters into our own hands. The reality is he has pro progressed up the notches in the FBI, uh, just like many others. I mean, you highlighted Peter Strzok. I, uh, I can't tell you how you know offensive it is to watch and see these, these uh, agents at the top level of a, of a you know, uh, an agency like this with so much power and so ability to so much ability to use that power without accountability to be promoted and pushed uh, up up the line. And, you know, I knew I knew Chris Ray. Um, he was in the Department of Justice when I was U.S. attorney. Very sharp, very intelligent, very ambitious. And that's what the, the FBI has. A lot of very sharp, intelligent, ambitious people at the tops. Uh, of, of the bureaucracy. And, and that's when it becomes very, very dangerous. So it does become dangerous, it becomes enraging for Americans to see documents like this. Uh, <laughs> you said that you've written your own affidavits and I'm yep. sure you've written, have you written hundreds, thousands? Yes, yes, hundreds so of them. So you've written hundreds of them. Did you ever write them? Sorry, this is upside down, not that you could tell. Did you ever write them uh, with a ruler and a highlighter uh, like this? <laughs> No, you got ink on, you got ink I, on I, your fingers writing them. Yeah, I mean, I one one thing that I also never did, <clears throat> even in some of the most complex cases I, I did, never had a search warrant affidavit that was thirty eight pages. Hmm. If I had to use that much effort to try to show that the law was on my side and the facts were on my side, I knew judges that would say, "I'm more concerned about the effort you're taking to try to convince me." I mean, but the I mean, this is 38 pages they're dedicating. And <clears throat> you see, I mean, I've talked about the weaknesses of what we do know about what's, what's, you know, in that affidavit, the unredacted portions. But if, unless those blacked out sections, unless they identify a very dark and sinister behavior on the part of President Trump to take those documents, to withhold those documents with an intention to either give them to a, a, an adversary of, of the United States or to profit on them by himself, unless that's in there, and I'll tell you why I think that's not in there, but unless that's in there, nothing that is unredacted justifies the search warrant to begin with or the manner in which they executed the search warrant. Mm -hmm. And the, way, the reason I don't think the rest of that is in there is because when they start redacting, is right at the moment in the affidavit where you have to outline for the court how you got your information. I think everything that's redacted is the how. Hmm. It's not, it's gonna be about a secret service agent who, who you know came forward. I don't know mm -hmm. that for sure, but my guess is that that's, that's one of their informants who they're trying to keep quiet or somebody else that works at Mar-a-Lago. And they identify how they went about and in that description, oftentimes it's very tempting to believe because the way they draft those is to suggest that somebody so honorable came forward and gave us all this information. You start to believe mm 
in the essence of that document. And th there really is, you know, something nefarious and criminal going on. Mm -hmm. But I'm still shook by the first part of the, the affidavit, which is supposed to lay out the legality, the, the laws that are violated, and the facts that support that probable cause suggests that Trump is the one who is violating those laws. That's not there. We don't have anything other than what appears to be a back and forth among Trump lawyers, among the National Archives and DOJ in terms of what is the law, what applies, and what is what is Trump allowed to keep. That to me is not outlining criminal statutes that you believe have been violated and you have probable cause to believe that this former president violated. So, I mean, you said it might be a Secret Service agent that came out as a whistleblower. Maybe that Secret Service agent, the same one that was driving the beast when Trump commandeered it, you know, when he Trump smashed, you know, right. through the wall and took it. Maybe he's just, hurt, you know, maybe he just butthurt. He, nobody knows. And so we, you know, we just want to say, seek help, you know, seek therapy if that's you, Mr. Secret Service agent. Um, <laughs> what I would, I, in, in all seriousness, what violations do you see here? Let's say that you were acting as, let's say that you were just simply in a cold case here acting uh, to protect the rights of someone's Fourth Amendment in a case like this, and then to protect constitutional executive powers that have been already litigated, right? So it's all based on pretexts and, 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 and past cases. The legality of the past cases are pretty clear here when it comes to the presidential documents. And it doesn't make the angry librarians in the bowels of the National Archives a paramilitary force. Maybe I'm wrong. Could you outline sort of where the constitutional lines are drawn here? Yeah, you know, if this was a regular citizen, you would look at this and, and you wouldn't you wouldn't have much question that you you have a really serious issue on your hand. And in fact, I have a case right now where an individual I'm representing is accused of being in possession of you know, classified information. And you would approach it the way they did in this case. They would issue a search warrant because they have reason to believe that he's in possession. You don't have to have necessarily criminal intent to do anything with the documents under under 793. That's an espionage statute that says if the mere presence, if you willfully have those documents and you possess them, then it can be a violation uh, mm -hmm. of the statute. And so you would execute the search warrant and you, you would go forward and, and you display why you have reason to believe, you know, that they took something from a top secret facility or, or whatever. And that would be your run of the mill case in this particular area. <clears throat> the difference here is, is staggering. We give presidents of the United States absolute authority over classification and they don't need they just don't need any sort of um, a process to possess to look to read to declassify any of that because we have said we're gonna the president is going to be in a different position than any other citizen and we want him in a different position because we don't want at some point our police power to be used against our own leader of our very own country i mean that that was that was enshrined in the mm -hmm. checks and balances that you kind of outlined earlier here they don't have a clear understanding of whether or not the law even applies hmm. and i and i know many have talked about this you've got mike davis and others who have said it doesn't apply so they have considerable question as to whether the law applies to the president and the former president 
who's in possession of information that we would otherwise say a regular citizen is not able to possess, doesn't apply. Those don't apply to a former president. Then, then you have the very, very important issue of whether or not you can go to a facility that is protected by the Secret Service, is authorized to have classified documents, is funded to have a SCIF, is funded to have staff in order to, to, to deal with classified material, whether or not you could ever show the mental state required to prove that somebody had violated the law. How do you show willful hmm. if in fact you've already conceded that there have been negotiations about what can and can't be possessed by a former president? You can't, you can't, prove that he willfully illegally possessed documents when you have already engaged in discussion back and forth to identify what he should and what he should not be in possession and so the the very constitutional protections that you and i on in the fourth amendment say you know we we're very grateful for <clears throat> have been thrown out in this particular case because they're not concerned about how overbroad it is. They're not concerned about whether it specifies a law that can is actually criminal statute that could be violated. They're not concerned about narrowing the scope of the search warrant. The Fourth Amendment tells us that it has to be so narrow as to not be a general warrant. Mm -hmm. So if you robbed a bank, for example, and we believe that the only thing you took was, was several stacks of cash, the agents get to come in and they get to look where they think they might see this, the, the stacks of cash, but they don't get to look in areas that are outside of the scope or, or, or for other evidence. Here, you're so close to a general warrant that that's why you see Trump and his lawyers saying, we want a special master because we think you took way more than you could and we think that the, the warrant itself is unlawful. And so <clears throat> it's a unique thing that this special master has been appointed. I've never seen it in a criminal case ever. Wow. Wow. Uh, Brett, you've been really, really uh, uh, generous with your time. And we would uh, honestly, we'd love to have you on the program uh, and love to have your insights here as a federal prosecutor. 25 years, did you say? Yep. Yep. Almost 25, 25 years. years as a federal prosecutor. And you, you had a very different send off, I'm sure than Tim Tebolt. You didn't have to pack up your copy of uh, Hunter Biden's laptop, uh, and, and, and in a little box, right? No, With, no. My last, yeah. my last case was the, uh, I, I prosecuted the kidnapper of Elizabeth smart. That was my last case. Wow. And then I, and then I left. Yeah. Very wow. proud of that. We'd like to, we'd like to close here. We have a lot of members of Congress who come on this show. A lot of Republican candidates come on this show, members of the house and the Senate, political leaders and they watch and their teams watch. And so could you give them some advice as it pertains to dealing with an overly politicized FBI? What would be your advice? So the inspector general was stripped of any authority um, to actually bring consequences. I would like to see the, the, you know, an inspector general that has the ability to actually pursue cases against agents and, and members of DOJ. As it is now, it's just an entity that writes a report. Mm -hmm. And you have to have someone in that position that is not afraid to stand up to DOJ and not afraid mm -hmm. to stand up to, to the FBI. I would like to see 
consequences. Prosecutors in the DOJ have one 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 body that you know can can bring an investigation, and it's all in house, and they won't take you know any outside referral, and you don't have insight. So I'd like to see that lid taken off where members of Congress, which is the only agency that's supposed to have oversight of the Department of Justice, they have to have real ability to, to, to exercise that oversight. So they're war, they're, 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 you know, when they subpoena documents and when they subpoena witnesses, we have to, we have to somehow take whether those are enforced out of DOJ. Because DOJ right now, what happens is they'll, you know, receive a subpoena and they're the ones responsible for enforcing it. So they'll say, no, we're not going to. So let's let's stop this charade and let's yeah. let's really give some, you know, some teeth to those that are supposed to be holding them accountable. That's my, you know, off the cuff analysis. Hey, man, we hope Grassley and Jordan are watching. Brett, the executive director of Right on Crime, where can people find your work? Yeah, please um, look us up, rightoncrime.com. And uh, we're, we're an organization that is really dedicated to try to fix the criminal justice system in this country, but to do so in a conservative way, to remember victims of crime and to remember that community safety is supposed to be the objective. But I also would say it's very important in this day and age to remember that fairness and consistency in applying the criminal justice laws in this country which we've lost. It shouldn't it shouldn't matter which political side of the aisle we're on. The criminal law should be enforced equally, and that's our that's our hope. Yes, yes. Isn't that isn't, isn't that the point, right? No oligarchy here. If you met, right. if if you do what Hunter Biden does, then you should go to jail like all the young black men that Joe Biden sent to jail for doing a scintilla of the amount of crack that Hunter Biden did, and he filmed himself <laughs> right. doing it. Yo, he right. just, he filmed himself like again. It's so egregious yep. It's it, it, yep. and people are repulsed by it. Thank you, Brett, for your work. Let's let's Thank please you. have you on the program a lot. I loved hearing. I love. I look forward to it. Thank you, sir. Man, it's so wonderful to talk with experts. It really is. It really is. I say it often on this show. We will deliver to you the experts. We will give you the ability to listen to the people who've done it. Brett Tolman. Brett Tolman, executive director of Right on Crime, 25 years as a federal prosecutor, wrote his own affidavits. He said hundreds of them. He knows the way. Okay, listen to Brett Tolman. Coming in hot, Brett Tolman would never do what Joe Biden has done right now, which is appoint a Hunter Biden laptop denier to a high-level position inside the intelligence board. Yo, this is some crazy stuff. So Joe, Joe Biden is sitting here. So while Tim Tebow who's the Hunter Biden protector inside the FBI, is being told, you know, to hit the bricks uh, because maybe the agency is scared of the political blowback. Maybe they're actually trying to fix something. We're not sure. We doubt it. But they're probably just trying to CYA. Yo, Joe Biden is doing his best to appoint the people who protected his cokehead son to major positions, including, but not limited to, the Intelligence Advisory Board, an MSNBC pundit, who was among dozens of former intelligence officials to sign the letter in 2020 claiming without evidence that Hunter Biden laptop was part of a Russian disinformation ploy. This guy's name is Jeremy Bash. He's a former chief of staff at the CIA and the Pentagon. He signed the letter, the dirty letter, about the 2020 disinformation that Tim Tebolt was probably like <sighs> drooling over at the FBI. This guy is now getting rewarded by Joe Biden for covering up 
for his cokehead son. Check it out. This is the uh, clip, the breaking news clip from Tucker Carlson last night. We do know that the Biden administration has no intention of fixing systemic corruption in our agencies from which they are benefiting. So they're doubling down. On Friday, Biden announced that members of his intelligence advisory board, new members. Now, that's a White House post that advises the president on intel matters. One new member of that board, believe it or not, and if you're familiar with Washington, this is shocking, is a man called Jeremy Bash. He's a former chief of staff at the CIA and the Pentagon. Jeremy Bash, along with dozens of other now totally disgraced and discredited ex-Intel officials, signed a letter right before the last presidential election lying and claiming the laptop had, quote, all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. That was a lie. Flat out. There's no debating it. That was a lie. They did it in order to influence the outcome of the election. And Bash repeated it on television. Watch this. This looks like Russian intelligence. This walks like Russian intelligence. This talks like Russian intelligence. This effort by Rudy Giuliani and the New York Post and, and Steve Bannon to cook up uh, supposed dirt on Joe Biden looks like a classic Russian playbook disinformation campaign. And so you get rewarded if you lie to the American people, if you protect the Bidens. These are how regimes work. Jeremy Bash is now getting rewarded. He was on MSNBC. He's been on the board of directors for the International Spy Museum. And now he's on the president's intelligence advisory board after lying to the American people. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the total and complete writ of living for the Biden White House to openly lie to the American people. We saw this yesterday with Corrine Jean-Pierre. We haven't had done a good Corrine Jean-Pierre clip in a while. Corrine Jean-Pierre getting absolutely BTFO'd by Peter Ducey over the idea that you can't fly into America if you're unvaccinated. This talking about uh, Nicholas Dvorak, uh, one of the maybe the best tennis player in in the world right now. Probably the best tennis player in the world right now. I don't really follow tennis. This dude can't fly into America because he's unvaccinated. Yet, the regime allows now millions of people to walk into the country uh, unvaccinated. They never check their vaccine status at the border. That would be the that would be the number one way to make sure that people never entered because of course the people from the third world that are walking into this country are not vaccinated. They would never use that rule at the border. They would just use that for people like Nick Dvorak, who's the best athlete in the world, arguably. So, uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre was asked about this by Peter Ducey, and the seething and the pain is palpable. Watch. How is it two different things? Somebody unvaccinated comes over on a plane. You say that's not okay. Somebody walks into Texas or Arizona unvaccinated. They're allowed to stay. Why? But that's not how it works. Like we actually, no. I know that that's not what you guys want to happen, but that is what what is happening. But that's not, it's not like somebody walks over and (laughs) that's not, that's That's not how. That's exactly what's happening. We, Thousands of people are walking in a day. Some of them turn themselves over. Some of them are caught. Tens of thousands a week are not. That is what is happening. I mean, it is what's happening. Do you remember 1984 when the party, the final and last command of the party that's in charge is to not believe your own eyes and ears? Do not believe the information gathered by your own eyes and ears. Corinne Jean-Pierre goes, oh, that's not what's happening. Peter Deuce is like, people are walking in this country. And Corinne Jean-Pierre goes, 
that's not that's not what's it's not what's happening. It's not what's happening. Kareen, we got some tough information for you. Check it out. We actually pulled the tape. It's enough to make your blood boil. Not only are they walking into the country, you see the border agents just standing there, allowing them in, ushering them in like doormen inside of the Plaza Hotel in New York City. There's also buses waiting there for them. Government-funded buses waiting for them. Provided by the Biden regime, along with private flights provided by the Biden regime. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. The disaster, the lying, the seething, the insult to you as the American people. It continues apace. Now, we are taking a break from regularly scheduled programming because I was talking with ALX, our producer, this morning, and I said, ALX, ALX the Lord, we have not done a Kamala clip in so long. Where has Kamala been? She's actually been on vacation. (laughs) Where has Kamala been? What has she been doing? Has she been doing something productive? And the answer was predictable. Kamala Harris has actually been uh, a part of the most disastrous non-space launch in American history. It happened yesterday. We had to cover it on the show. And ALX said, oh, baby, I gotcha. I gotcha. Kamala Harris was there at a NASA launch that was totally botched. No, thankfully, no one was hurt, but the rocket ship couldn't take off, okay? And yeah, I don't know, because probably because Kamala Harris was cackling so loud at such a high-intensity pace that she cracked part of the windshield that would have protected the astronauts. That's my guess. I'm not a scientist. Vice President Kamala Harris, uh, however, was also making a fool of herself. Oh, uh, she was asked by reporters, this is her first reporter avail in many weeks. You haven't seen anything from Kamala Harris because she's been on uh, vacation in Indonesia or something like that. Some some country. She's been like w- like vacationing in China, Xi Jinping's, uh, you know, like riding on Xi Jinping's um, lap. I don't know, man. What has she been doing? She's somewhere in the South Pacific. Anyway, Kamala Harris is finally out in the open and she was asked about a number of things. This is her first press avail. It was so predictably cringy. She was asked, yo, uh, how about the uh, student loan thing? You know, you're like Kamala, you're hip, you're, you're down with it. You're supposed to be cool with, you wear sneakers to go do your thing. Like, aren't you supposed to be down for the kids? Why don't you tell us how it's fair that people who paid off their student loans, like your boy sitting here in the chair, people who didn't go to college and decided to learn a profession instead, like our boy Royce over here in the chair. Royce, can we uh, can we unveil the Royce cam? All right, here we go. There's, there's our boy Royce. There we go. We call him Rolls Royce. There he is in the chair. Look at him. He's giant. You know, he's like eight feet tall. Look at how little I am. And Royce, he's, like ma- he's massive. He's massive. You got the angle. That's Rolls Royce. Rolls Royce is 20 years old. He didn't go to college. He learned a profession. He learned a trade and applied for a job. And we're hiring. We are hiring, actually, here at The Benny Show. So go ahead and check us out on, uh, what would it be, LinkedIn, ZipRecruiter, things like that on our social media. We'll do some major promotions, and we're very excited about the growth here at the company. Royce didn't have to study uh, lesbian queer theory at uh, Brown University and rack up $250,000 worth of debt. Uh, uh, unfortunately, a member of our staff is doing just that. His name is Danny DeArbina. To his great credit and to his great shame, he is at George Washington University. <laughs> On blast, Danny. Kamala Harris had nothing to say about loans. Well, actually, if she had nothing to say, it'd be amazing. She actually did say this about loans. Get ready. Kamala Harris, in all of her glory, back at it again. Uh, 
shooting word salads out of her mouth like she worked at Olive Garden. Go. Who specifically is putting the bill for student loan forgiveness? We haven't gotten a concrete answer from the administration yet. Well, let's start with this. First of all, uh, a lot of the same people who are criticizing what we rightly did in following through on a commitment that we made um, to forgive student loan debt uh, are the same people who voted for a tax cut for the richest Americans. So when we look at who is benefiting from this, 90% of the people who are going to benefit from student loan forgiveness make under $75,000 a year. And that debt has been the reason that they're unable to start a family, buy a home, and pursue their piece of the American dream. Uh, hey, lady, if you went and got a degree and it doesn't allow you to pay for that degree, why am I paying for that degree? How does that make sense? Boy, this stuff grinds my gears. This is a bailout for leftist voters and the most worthless of among them. If you can't pay off your degree with the job you got, as Kamala Harris just salad shot out of her mouth, then why am I supposed to pay off that degree? You know there's no such thing as debt forgiveness, right? There's debt transference, and the debt transference is to people like Royce and the people like me who paid off our degrees or didn't get degrees and went and learned something useful. This is how society is supposed to work. And if you made a dumb decision, there's supposed to be consequences to that decision. Dude, this stuff makes my blood boil. Something that wasn't boiling during the NASA, NASA launch was the engines on the fuel inside of the rocket ships because the, the NASA launch was scrubbed due to an engine problem at the United States Pro Space Program. Uh, but Kamala Harris used it as an opportunity to say that uh, space is there for the advancement of all womankind. Ah! <laughs> I'm so cringe. Go, go, play it. I'm so proud of what is happening in terms of our space program and the leadership that the United States is providing to the world. Uh, the Artemis program is, is the beginning of the next era of what we have a history and a tradition of doing, of providing vision and inspiring innovation in a way that is going to benefit all mankind and womankind. Oh, Abe. Oh, Abraham. What has happened to this nation? My sweet Abraham Lincoln statue here, ladies and gentlemen. What has happened to this nation? When I see clips like that, what I do is I take this statue, which is very sturdy and very hefty, and I slam my skull into it. I am, st I mean, wow, how the mighty have fallen. This is not the first time Kamala Harris, of course, has had a NASA cringe moment. Our wonderful producer, ALX, the Lord, has pulled this gem from the archives. Flashback, Kamala NASA cringe. I just love the idea of exploring the unknown. And then there's other things that we just haven't figured out or discovered yet. To think about so much that's out there that we still have to learn. But the other, you guys are going to see. You're going to literally see the craters on the moon with your oh, own eyes. Oh my goodness. With your own eyes, I'm telling you, it is going to be unbelievable. It gives us a sense of the magnitude of it all. Earth is kind of small, yeah. right? The Earth is like a speck. Kids, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Don't be addicted to uppers and drink pure Chardonnay 
for 24 hours. You'll start acting like that. Please, kids. This is like a PSA. It's not for NASA. This is like a PSA for the, uh, you know, for, for the, for the, for the D.A.R.E. program, Food and Drug Administration. Don't do drugs. Somebody who's going to be doing a lot of drugs this week is Joe Biden before his primetime address to talk about the battle for the soul of the nation after calling MAGA Republicans fascists. President Biden will speak Thursday about fighting for democracy at Philadelphia's Independence Hall because, of course, Joe Biden called the MAGA movement a fascist movement. This is, by the way, the guy that uses the federal police enforcement arm in order to attack his political rivals and wants to shut down speech and wants to force injections upon you for you to have a job. Yeah, this is the guy calling you a fascist. This is the guy going on TV to call you a fascist this week. This is what uh, Joe Biden's speeches sound like. Go. I don't respect these MAGA Republicans. Okay, we don't respect you, Joe. Uh, Joe. Uh, what, what, what do you want from us? So he's going to go to Independence Hall. Don't get shot. I mean, come on. Like in, in, Philadelphia is like the most dangerous city in the world. We really mean that, by the way. Like we don't want any harm to come to anyone on this program. No matter what, we only have nice, nice things to say about people's health and livelihood. We want America to be a healthy, happy place. That's why Joe should maybe take a time away from speeches in Philadelphia talking about fascist Republicans and maybe look at the fascist Democrats that run Philadelphia that have plunged it into a third world hellhole. What's the murder rate in Philadelphia right now? What's the murder? Like, it's like the deadliest. Every time you see a video of somebody getting like carjacked at a gas station, it's like right in downtown Philly. It's right in Ben Franklin's old neighborhood. So, I mean, listen, Joe, like we're glad you have security. Maybe say something to the people of Philadelphia who are living under permanent Democrat rule and whose lives are in danger every single day because of your party. We'll be covering that. That's going to be on Thursday with predictable results. Joe Rogan said he'd tell people outraged by COVID-19 restrictions to vote Republican. Yo, our last story of the day. And finally, Joe Rogan getting the official red pill popped on camera, ready to go, completely based. Joe Rogan saying vote for the GOP. The king of podcasts told his 11 or 12 million listeners, depending on who's counting, 12 million listeners, man. It's impossible to describe like how many people that is. Tucker Carlson, who's our boy, who we love, his Nielsen ratings are like between three and four million people. So you're talking about a show with Joe Rogan that's four times bigger than Tucker Carlson's show. And we love Tucker Carlson. He's the most watched man in television. And everyone's ratings go down precipitously after Joe Ro- after Tucker Carlson. So this is how big Joe Rogan is. He was on with Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. And the pair began talking about the mess the federal government has made of COVID-19 and their restrictions. California's Democrat Governor Gavin Newsom. Uh, uh, this is the guy that kicked Joe Rogan essentially out of California. Joe Rogan's now in Texas. He had to leave because of these restrictions. He has a major axe to grind here. Joe Rogan had to up and leave the state that, I mean, obviously he made his career in. So when it came down to what was actually, you know, what was actually happening in the NFL, he was talking to Aaron Rodgers about it. Aaron Rodgers saying that Fauci sent like some little stooge to tell everyone in the NFL to do what Fauci says. And you got to get the max. This is what Aaron Rodgers had to say uh, about Fauci essentially like weaseling his way like a rat in the NFL. Dude, it's insane. The conversation was wild. We encourage you to go watch it. This is our favorite clip from it. Joe Rogan's like, yo, if you don't want this stuff anymore, vote Republican. Hoping that now that this is over, people are going to, you know, recognize that some serious errors were made and not repeat those. That's the best you can get out of it. So what do you tell those people? Vote Republican. (laughs) 
That's what a lot of them are going to do anyway. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, more than a million people transferred over to the Republican Party, uh, I think, in 2021 alone. Find out what that number is. But, you know, you look at guys like Ron DeSantis, who kept Florida open and, and had some pretty reasonable policies in terms of, like, what what to do about COVID. And, you know, he mapped it out on television. He was, you know, widely criticized for this, where he was saying, like, we need to protect our elders. We need to, you know, make sure that medical care is available for, for those people and everyone else. You should be able to do whatever you want to do and protect your freedom. Vote Republican, talking about Ron DeSantis. Joe Rogan arc towards becoming based. Remember, Joe Rogan like is a Bernie bro. The Joe Rogan arc to becoming based is probably the greatest feat of this movement. We should all hang our hat on this. This is the most watched and listened to man in the world. Again, Tucker Carlson's the king of cable TV, the king of podcasting, who has a three to four X larger audience than Tucker is Joe Rogan. So the fact that Joe Rogan is sitting there talking about based Ronda Savage and talking about voting Republican is a massive triumph for this audience. And so we say thank you, as we do at the end of each show. We say thank you for watching. If you support this show, please like, subscribe, and share. Please subscribe to our podcast. Send us an email. Send us an email if you want to like let us know what you think about the show. If you think that there are opinions that you want to see voiced on the show, send us an email. We read the emails. We even respond. Can't respond to all of them, but we respond. We want to know what you think, and we want to know what's driving you. This is a user-generated show. We bring on the guests that will make us at least well that will make you smarter. And we bring the news to you that is being hidden from you everywhere else on social media. In fact, there was like a, unfortunately a, a, a fake, a fake story that broke, uh, uh, that everyone's having to, everyone's having to, uh, uh, correct, uh, during the show. And we were not reporting it because we were able to fact check it. So unfortunately we would have loved to have been reported this news, but we, we didn't because we care and we care about you. We care about the movement that we're building. And so we just want to say thank you. I mean, honestly, this show has been just on the upward trajectory rocket ship. We bring it every single morning. We have a blast doing it. We're laughing. We're jawing. We're shadow boxing. We're going, baby. And it's time for us to take back this country. The only reason we do this, the only reason we do this, again, we don't have corporate sponsorship. Yeah, we're like, we're not, we're not like owned by Fox. We're not owned by some corporation. We're doing, we're doing this like out of a garage. The reason we do this show is because we care. We like, we literally legitimately love this place a lot. We love our kids a lot. I have two little girls we do this show because of them. And if you check my social media stories, you'll see it. Like I'm just a dad. Yo, I'm just a dad. I want a better country for my kids. That's the only, that's the driving motivation. That's it, baby. And that's all you really need. You get your priorities right. And my priorities are God, family, country. And then you get to thinking totally differently, okay? The way I think is that we were born free men and women, and we intend to stay that way, and the only way we're going to do that is if we demand our freedom, if we fight for it, and if we keep this country free. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what we're doing on this show every single day. My name is Benny Johnson. Thank you for watching.